0: Welcome to One Thin Dime, a comic book podcast focusing on the golden and early silver ages of comics. I'm your host, Sammy, a.k.a. the Comic Book Kid. This podcast highlights characters and origins who may not be as well known outside of comic fandom, but are significant to the history of the medium. Each episode, I choose a comic with the caveat that the original cover price was 10 cents. Please remember, any characters I discuss on this podcast are the sole copyright of their respective owners. So, with no further ado, let's check out what's on the shelves of the old five and dime for my nightmarish ninth episode. Following World War II, the comic book industry experienced a dynamic shift. The daring adventures of the costume-clad set started to lose its appeal, New genres became more popular in the four-color pages, including science fiction, western, detectives, and especially horror. Though many comic companies would follow the trend, William Gaines of EC Comics would begin publishing three horror titles that would capture the imagination of readers, as well as the ire of parents and a certain psychologist, but I'll save that for a little bit later in the episode. Interestingly, it would be a crime fiction comic, Crime Patrol Number no. 15, December 1949, that introduced arguably the most well-known horror host in comics and television, The Crypt Keeper. This version of The Crypt Keeper wasn't the cackling corpse we think of today, but more of a looming hermit of the graveyard with long white hair. Over time, The Crypt Keeper would develop that wise-cracking host that we know today, providing quirky wit and tongue-in-cheek humor that readers were dying, pun intended, to read. With that said, let's creep back in time to discuss The Crypt Keeper's first appearance in The First Appearance Flashback. (laughs) My source for this episode is the reprint, Crime Patrol number no. 9, published by Gemstone Publishing, December 2000. The scene opens as readers are welcomed by a person half-shrouded in darkness, introducing himself as the Keeper of the Crypt of Terror. Readers can see the gnarled cane and long, bony fingers, but the face is obscured by a mane of white hair. The Keeper's Dialogue calls this tale, The Return From the grave. The scene shifts to an office where two men, Carter and Dixon, are discussing their embezzling scheme. They wonder why their associate, John Glass, has called them to the office. Glass enters, telling the two men that his daughter is very ill and needs an operation. Dixon and Carter suggest that Glass sell out the company, but he refuses. The pair then allude to the insurance money that his family beget if he Accidentally died. Some time later, Dixon and Carter receive a call from Mrs. Glass telling them that her husband had fallen in front of a truck and was killed. They console the widow, but inwardly the men got exactly what they wanted. The next day, the pair receive an order for $50,000 of the company's best perfume, only to find out that Glass had the formulas. When they question Mrs. Glass, she tells them that he had the ingredient sewn into the lining of his best suit, the one he was buried in. That night, Dixon and Carter decide to exhume the casket and find the formula, only to find the body gone, replaced by a note that Glass has risen from the grave to exact his revenge. Hmm, it's a good thing a zombie knows how to have nice handwriting. Shaken with fright, they return to the office, their own anxieties getting the best of their nerves. Dixon slips and falls out of the office window while Carter decides to take his own life with the pistol in his desk before his spectral partner can do the deed. At that moment, the shot fires, the elevator door opens, and a very alive John Glass steps out. The keeper soon tells us, that John had staged the funeral to teach the conniving pair about his importance to the company, sending the order to them himself to set this little morality play into action. Nice sense of humor, eh? remarks the cryptkeeper. And that, dear listeners, is how our graveside ghoul first appeared. Let's pull back the years to see just who was responsible for The Crypt Keeper's first terrifying tale. This is one episode I'm a little nervous to look behind the comic curtain. <music> the Crypt Keeper would be the creation of William Bill Gaines and Al Feldstein. William Maxwell Gaines was the son of Maxwell Charles Gaines, who was the co-publisher of All-American Publications, who brought us Flash, Hawkman, Wonder Woman, and the Justice Society, before forming his own company, Educational Comics EC. After his father's death in a boating accident in 1947, Bill took over, changing the EC initials to stand for Entertaining Comics. Bill Gaines would change the landscape of comic book content, capturing readers' attention with comics based on horror, crime, and science fiction, introducing innovative story and art concepts within the medium. Gaines and E.C. were perfect for this new generation of comic readers searching for a counterculture movement from the idyllic suburban world that was being presented in comics and on television. With titles such as shock suspense stories, weird tales, weird fantasy, tales from the crypt, and mad, Gaines employed a number of soon-to-be industry greats to produce stories that were a striking difference to what was being seen from publishing competitors. E. C. stable of creators included Harvey Kurtzman and Al Feldstein, who also served as editors along with freelancers such as Joe Orlando, Jack Kamen, Al Williamson, Johnny Craig, John Severin, Basil Wolverton, and Wally Wood. In another departure from comic companies of the day, EC promoted all their writers and artists, including creator credits to the stories. Gaines and EC would cultivate their fan community by pioneering letters pages for fans, as well as the national E.C. Fanatics Club. Gaines, along with comics in general, would become the center of a national firestorm with the publication of Dr. Frederick Wortham's Seduction of the Innocent, an expose on the connection between comic books and juvenile delinquency. Wortham's book ignited a national fervor, resulting in the creation of the United States Senate Subcommittee on Juvenile Delinquency. On the motion of Senator Robert Hendrickson of New Jersey. Interviews began on April 21st and 22nd, 1954, followed up on June 4th. During the April 22nd hearing, Bill Gaines would be called to testify. Gaines defended the content of the EC crime and horror books. It would be Senator Estes Kefauver of Tennessee displaying the cover of Crime Suspense Stories, Issue 22, April, May, 1954, that would be the critical moment. Gaines was asked if the cover, showing a severed woman's head, was in good taste. He replied, yes, sir, I do, for a the cover of a horror comic. The senator was unaware that Gaines had already had artist Johnny Craig tone down the cover from the original drawing before publication. In light of the subcommittee, comic book publishers would unite to form a self-regulatory agency, the Comics Magazine Association of America, with John Goldwater as the first president. See my elliptical eighth episode for more on Goldwater. Leading to the formation of the Comics Code Authority, or CCA. Gaines would urge fellow publishers to fight the censorship of the code, to no avail. By 1956, EC stopped its comic book publishing, with the exception of MAD, which would be transitioned to a magazine format to sidestep the CCA. Gaines and EC would become part of comic book history with legions of fans. But what about our cryptkeeper? What does his history look like? Much like the Tales of Terror he hosted, you just can't keep a good ghoul down. Let's check out his... Titanic Timeline. Crime Patrol would change its title to Crypt of Terror with Issue 17, May 1950, lasting only three more issues before becoming the more widely recognized Tales from the Crypt with Issue 20, cover dated October-November 1950. Readers would get chills and thrills with this new anthology title featuring two tales introduced by the main man himself Sorry Lobo, don't hunt me down please! as well as one from each of E.C.'s other horror hosts The Old Witch from The Haunt of Fear and The Vault Keeper from The Vault of Horror. The three hosts, called Gulunatics would often take jabs at one another. Following E.C.'s demise, The Crypt Keeper would continue his undead exploits in a series of reprints. In 1964, C.K. would headline a collected edition by Ballantine Books as a mass-market paperback containing eight tales of spine-tingling fear, introducing a new generation to E.C.'s horror line. The book would sport an original Frank Frazetta cover, predating his work for Warren Publishing's horror magazine's Creepy and eerie, Former physics professor turned publisher Russ Cochran would begin producing hardcover black-and-white reprints in the Complete EC Library series. Cochran series would include five volumes for the Complete Tales from the Crypt in 1979. Cochran would begin publishing a series of magazines in 1985 with EC reprints. EC Classics Magazine number one cover dated August 1985 and Issue 11, 1988, would contain selected stories from Tales from the Crypt, while Issues 6 and 9 would include The Keeper's reprint stories from both The Vault of Horror and The Haunt of Fear. From July 1990 to May 1991, Cochrane worked with Gladstone Publishing to produce six reprints from The Tales from the Crypt and The Vault of Horror, as well as two issues of The Haunt of Fear. Starting his own RCP reprints before moving the line to Gemstone Publishing, Cochrane set out to reprint every issue of the EC titles starting in 1992, finally seeing the production of The Crypt Keeper's early appearances in Crime Patrol. Russ and Gemstone would also produce Tales from the Crypt reprints in trade paperback form from 1994 to 1999 followed by the hardcover EC Archives. The EC Archives would be a complete reprint series of the Crypt Keeper's appearances beginning in Crime Patrol through Tales of the Crypt 46, including original advertisements, letter pages, and editorials. Each hardcover edition would include an introduction by movie industry greats such as John Carpenter and Bruce Campbell. Similar editions in the archives line would include The Haunt of Fear with intros by Robert England and Rob Zombie, and The Vault of Horror with recollections by John Landis and R.L. Stein. Gemstone would continue publishing the series until 2013 when Dark Horse Comics would continue the line. It would be the small press publisher, Papercuts, who would revive some life pun intended, into our mostly reprinted Keeper. In 2007, Papercut started a digest-sized series that included nine volumes of original stories. You know what they say, you can't keep a dead Crypt Keeper buried. But where else could we find new material with our horrific host? Hmm, maybe we should look at some mixed media. Almost as prolific as his comic book history, The Crypt Keeper gained a new afterlife on HBO. The white-haired comic host was replaced by a snide cadaver puppet, voiced by actor John Kassir, Miko in Disney's Pocahontas. Give that a moment to sink in. The first episode, using Crypt of Terror 17 as source material, would debut on June 10, 1989. The series would run for seven seasons, ending its run on July 19, 1996. The show's success would spawn a whole new interest in the character. The Crypt Keeper would make the leap from the small screen to feature films, with Tales from the Crypt Presents Demon Night in 1995 and... Tales from the Crypt presents Bordello of Blood in 1996. Following Bordello, a third film was planned, but multiple scripts were rejected and never saw production. Finally, in 2002, the movie Ritual, starring Jennifer Grey and Tim Curry, released to international audiences, only garnering its Tales from the Crypt Presents title for the direct-to-DV release in the U.S. in 2006. HBO wouldn't be the only network wanting to exhume The Crypt Keeper. On September 18, 1993, the animated Tales from The Cryptkeeper would debut on ABC's Saturday morning lineup, lasting two seasons before being picked up by CBS. CBS would continue the animated show as New Tales from The Crypt Keeper until December 4, 1999. The series would spawn... Pun intended, a line of action figures by Ace Novelty. CBS would also produce one season of Secrets of the Cryptkeeper's Haunted House, a kids game show, running from september fourteenth, nineteen ninety six to august twenty third, nineteen ninety seven. The Cryptkeeper would serve as host as young contestants would compete in five spooky events. In a strange twist of fate, The Crypt Keeper would also be featured on three albums. These included a soundtrack for the HBO series, as well as Have Yourself a Scary Little Christmas in 1994 and Monsters of Metal in 2000. Well, after all that scary talk, I think I'll close our episode. I have the late shift tonight, and I don't know about you, but I'm a bit spooked. Comic books have been the foundation for so many areas of pop culture today, and the legacy of EC Comics is still such a huge part of that industry. The Crypt Keeper and his fellow Goulunatics would influence almost every comic book publisher, introducing readers to a whole new set of horror hosts. From Charlton Comics' Mr. L. Dad to Warren's Uncle Creepy and DC's Kane, the industry was inundated with cryptic characters to introduce their tales following the weakening of the comics code in the Bronze Age. Movies such as Creepshow are direct influences from The Keeper and EC, even making its way to the small screen on AMC and the Shutter streaming service. Maybe The Crypt Keeper will be next. I hope you enjoyed my look at the history of The Crypt Keeper. If you like the podcast, please leave me feedback on your podcatcher of choice or just tell a friend. The show is available on Apple, Google overcast and podcast addict among others. I appreciate any creative comments that can better the show for my listeners. I want to give a quick shout out to Farjo five for the Apple five star review. Thank you so much for your support. I'm glad you're enjoying the characters I'm choosing for the show. With that said, Join me next week as we venture back into the heroes of yesteryear for my teeny tiny tenth episode. And just remember, all these adventures were once available for one thin dime. Thanks for listening.